this episode we're going to be discussing the coming of shadows um this is episode 9 of babylon 5 season 2 and may i say what an episode this is fan freaking fantastic this is honestly i think some probably the best episode that we've had to date this is phenomenal and it's always been one of my favorites easily in my top you know 10 to 20 episodes but going through it again i was just reminded just how good this episode is how tragic it is this is a tragedy through and through this is the fundamental destruction of everything that babylon 5 has stood for for a while and the fall of londo the uh, cycles of violence that perpetuate between the Narns and the Centauri, the regaining of hope and then the loss of hope of Jakar. It's just beautiful from moment one to the end. It is, like I said, you are watching a tragedy on display. And this is it's just so good. Um, so I think... All the meat of the episode comes from Jakar and Londo, so I'll briefly talk about the other stuff, the um, the Ranger subplot, uh, real quick. The Ranger subplot I actually really liked uh, in the fact that the the Ranger is treated almost like the stereotypical threat of the week. Uh, the camper keeps cutting to him. He seems a bit shady. No one's quite sure. And then Garibaldi, you know, uh, uh, you know, attacks him at the end there. And then, and, and then finally, he reveals the truth. And that I, I remember when I first watched this several years ago, I had heard about uh, everything that had happened with Michael Heron. So I was never expecting Sinclair to show back up. Uh, I thought, just gone. Okay, maybe he'll be talked about, but that's it. And then, um, Hello Old Friend happened, and my face just lit up, and I, literally, my jaw just dropped when I first watched that way back in the day. It was just so, wow, like, such a powerful moment, and of course, now I can say, you know, uh, he is the, uh, he, he's quote-unquote the ambassador of Earth to Minbar, but in actuality, he's Ranger 1. He is... He's the leader of this new group called the Rangers, which is a clear uh, JMS steal from uh, Lord of the Rings, the Rangers of the North. They were keeping an eye out on Mordor to see if Sauron's army was gathering. Much like the Rangers here, they are here to keep an eye out in Zaha Doom and make sure the shadows are gathering their forces. As Sinclair says, keep an eye out for shadows. They move when you're not looking at them. And it is just such a great moment. I cannot, like, express how surprised I was when I first watched that. It was just so great. And then to see that come back again, uh, you know, uh, to see Sinclair come back and be important to the plot, be important to Garibaldi's uh, arc to further the shadow stuff that's happening. I, I can no longer just call them Morden's Associates now. I can officially say, yeah, they're called the Shadows, um, you know, as, uh, as, as mentioned in Signs of Importance, the Shadows come, the Shadows come for us all. It's just great to see him, and uh, seeing stuff set up for him is great, and then 
you know, it's not really a spoiler when I say that he'll be back again. It'll be at least one more time, and then he'll be mentioned several times. Sinclair is still an important character to this series. Uh, even if Michael Leher had to leave due to medical problems, he's still, you know, the, the, the character is still important. Uh, it won't just disappear. Many shows would just have the characters disappear and not mean anything anymore. Um, no, the character still matters. It's still really, really important to where the story is going. And and I, I, I like that Garibaldi just immediately, the moment he finds out Sinclair is behind it, just without a second thought, okay, I'll help the Rangers. And when he, uh, and he promised Sinclair he wouldn't tell anyone. So when Sheridan asks, he's like, I... I, I gave my word I wouldn't say he, he's like how do I know if I can trust this source and he's like let's just say he comes highly recommended so it, it's just that was phenomenal it's great uh, this entire episode is just fran freaking tastic all the way around I it, it's just hard to express how much I love this episode this episode is phenomenal it's not my favorite episode um, there are a lot of better episodes like I said B5 gets fucking amazing later on and my favorite episode is later this season we're slowly getting there um so the entire ordeal with Londo and Jakar this is the big meat of the episode uh and the main theme is trying to make amends for what you've done and regret and Londo makes a mistake He's been making mistakes, but he continues to make mistakes again. He's gotten in too deep, at least he thinks, and Rifa is an idiot. Rifa is this young, naive politician who thinks he understands how the world works, and he's going to instigate all these political changes, and he's arranged to make sure that they're all going to happen. And Alondo just has to help, just has to make sure it all goes according to plan. And basically, he's using Londo as a scapegoat because he noticed that Londo ha will have the speech that talks about everything that will happen. Uh, and so if anything bad happens, it can be levied at Londo. And Londo knows this and, and goes with it because he feels like he can rein Rifa in. Rifa and the New Guard are young, ambitious, uh, strong-willed, but they don't think about the consequences of their actions. Londo's older, experienced, has seen the horrors of war before and knows the pain and anguish that comes from political upheaval and is willing to go along with it if he can course correct them because he wants the Centauri to return to being conquerors. There's no doubt about that. He wants a return to glory, but he doesn't want it to be mindless. Um, like Rifa once, as we see when when the 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 colonists are taken prisoner, Londo is given a speech that basically says, "Yeah, we're gonna put them in camps and in in delayed correctly, you know, internment camps, late forced labor camps." It's it's not not at all good, and Londo can't object to that. He knows exactly what they are, and just watch his face. His face is just in anguish, and the moment Sheridan comes in and says that Earth is going to be sending observers to make sure that the prisoners are treated fairly and that we're not looking for another war, so I suggest you let them through. That is when Londo is given the ammunition to uh, cheat his way around. Once again, it's more about how you say something rather than what you say. So 
in order to avoid the observers, he's willing to find a way to release the prisoners and see them safely return to the non-home world in exchange for Earth not sending observers. This this is basically a compromise. It is entirely a compromise, and one that probably the, the new Centauri government, the young new guard that doesn't think about the consequences of their own actions, especially with a young nephew of the uh, Centauri emperor taking the throne, you know, who sees the world much like we do, according to Rifa, uh, you know, it, it's not going to be something that's going to be really... Uh, positive for the, the the Centauri to see, but Londo seizes the opportunity to cheat his way around it to try and make a difference, which is exactly what the main theme of the story is. Emperor Turhan, or just the Emperor as he's referred to in this episode, uh, is done with pretense. He's just done. He's fed up with it. Uh, he refuses to wear the wig the big Centauri wig, because supposedly, you know, however bigger your your hair is, uh, you know, is determining of your status, well, he doesn't wear it. He's balding and he doesn't care. He's not here as the Emperor. He's here on behalf of the Centauri people to stand with Anarn in neutral territory and apologize. And he doesn't get to. And all he feels is regret and remorse, and he feels like he hasn't chosen anything. That wonderful scene uh, uh, with Sheridan as he, when he's talking to him uh, in the observation deck, uh, where where Sheridan talks about the way of the warrior and you know the advice his dad gave him. He says, you know, I, everything was chosen for me. You know, I've never actually made any choices in my life. You know, everything was set out, pre-planned, and, you know, set out before me. So that's what I did. I did what was expected of me. And now I find at the end of my life, I'm wanting to choose what I want to do. And living with regret is a hard thing. It's, it's something that a lot of people have to deal with in their lives. And you want to make amends and try and get rid of that regret as much as possible. And you have to choose to do it. Some people choose to live with the regret. And that brings us into the one of the other themes, which is choice. You know, Londo was, feels like he's backed into a corner. He has to side with Rifa's new order because he very well could get murdered, you know, if he does not comply with Rifa. Uh, Rifa's new uh, glorious Centauri Republic, the great lion of the galaxy, uh, is in with the new out with the old and Londo's old he's siding with the new he's siding with the young to stay alive and he realizes that if he doesn't he may just well get killed and you know that that horrible that horrible moment where he's like he said just pick a target and he realizes he can use his deal with Morden to strike a victory and and preemptively uh, gain the throne for the nephew of the emperor, uh, one Cartesia, that if he does this, you know, his his loyalty to Rifa's side is guaranteed. And as Veer says, you know, in, in, in Londo's like, I have no choice, and Veer is like, no, you always have a choice. You don't have to do this. 
Uh, and Veer, what's wonderful about Veer is he's this bumbling buffoon, is what he appears to be. What he is, is he's a really kind Centauri. He's a different kind of Centauri. He's not concerned with politics. He's not concerned with everything that's going on. He believes in doing the right thing, no matter what. And he's not an idiot. He fully sees what is going on. He fully sees the political ramifications. And he's like, no, this isn't the right thing to do. It's his job, and and Londo's his friend. So he'll do what is asked of him, but he's not comfortable with it. There's that great moment where he's really uncomfortable, you know, in the room, and Londo goes, this conversation makes you uncomfortable. And Vera says, yes, and he goes, well, then, uh, then in this, my old friend, in this we agree. It's, it is literally an archetypical tragedy on display, and it is so good. Um, now, Jakar's side of the story, it's just heartbreaking to watch him crack. You know, we're watching Londo fall further and further into a pit of his own making. And it's sad, and it's going to get sadder. But right here, Jakar's pit that was is in part of his own making, but also not at the same time. He more than willingly was going to give his life for a cycle of hatred that meant nothing. The Centauri Emperor was coming to Babylon 5. He didn't know the reason. He didn't know that the Centauri uh, Emperor wanted to stand with him and apologize. But as far as Jakar's concerned, it's the sins of the father. You know, as Sheridan points out, Emperor Turhan himself has not done nothing to you. His father was the one that ordered the strip mining of your homeworld. You know, everybody... Uh, in his line, did something horrible to the Narn. He himself did nothing. He himself was innocent of all the atrocities that happened. And, and, and Jakar won't accept that. As far as he's concerned, he was a collaborator. He he refused to stand up and do anything about it. He, his father was responsible for this, and so therefore he is responsible. And the sense of the father mentality is something that is born out of massive amounts of hatred and malice and is ingrained in many people since they were young. It's something that was ingrained in Jakar. Jakar has been fighting for the Narn, fighting the Centauri for as long as he can remember. And, you know, he's, you know, his father was tortured and killed in a brutal way, as we'll find out later. You know, he's carrying a lot of anger and resentment to the, uh, the Centauri, understandably, but he's letting that hatred define him and define the relations. You know, since Sher- uh, you know, uh, Sheridan even says, oh, w- what happens if you, just, uh, if you just come together and try and actually open up a dialogue? And Jakar will have none of it because he believes the best way to help his people is to kill the Emperor. Despite the fact that the- killing the Emperor would do nothing. And matter of fact, killing the Emperor... Because of what we know about everything that's going on with Rifa and everything, it's going to make it worse. And he doesn't see that. All he sees is revenge. He sees angry, red revenge, and he wants it. He wants it so bad, and it's all he cares about. It's not about the betterment of his people. It's not wanting the best for his people. It's about, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. Though the bullied... 
become the bullies. The cycles of violence continue. The wheel turns, spinning unabated for eternity. And the only way to end it, to end the cycle, is to break the circle and come together. You know, violence only begets more violence. And it's it's a tragedy. And I love how this show subverts expectations. JMS is really good at this. We, we are building and building to uh, the uh, the Centauri Emperor's death at the hands of Jakar, and it's getting tense. The music is heightening, and it's done without words. And it makes it more tragic and more shocking when the Emperor doesn't even make it to the, the reception. He collapses in a heart attack. And now Jakar is faced with the realization that the Centauri are crumbling, they're dying, and it's a metaphor. The the old guard is dying out. The new hungry, bloodthirsty, you know, Centauri are gonna take over. The sadness of the Centauri Emperor finally wanting to see a Vorlon. And the the one time he gets to see a Vorlon is just before he dies. And he asks Kosh, you know, how does this end? He wants to make amends. He wants to bring peace. And Kosh answers the way that we all know it's going to end. In fire. The cycles of violence continue. And the shadows are only perpetuating the cycles of violence. It's exactly what they want. You know, they fight through proxies. That was established before. It's heartbreaking to watch this happen. There are a couple of scenes I want to point out. Just for their phenomenal acting and their their thematic depth first the that scene between Londo and Jakar you know the one the toast scene that scene is just you it rends your heart I'm like my heart was just sinking the entire time because Jakar has been given hope because Franklin came to Jakar, giving him the message of the Emperor. The Emperor refused to give the message to another Centauri because the message would be diluted and changed, as we'll see in a minute with the other scene I'm going to point at. So, Franklin came to him and explained the situation, and it was that great line where, you know, Franklin is saying, you know, he wanted to stand with Alnard in neutral territory and apologize. Apologize for everything his his father did everything his people have done to your people you know the, the hatred between our you know our people cannot end until one of us is willing to say i'm sorry and jakar didn't expect that jakar never expected a centauri to give a damn the cycles of violence taught him to hate and that they're nothing full of hatred they're bigoted racist horrible people they're slavers and they deserve death but things are more complicated than that they always are they always will be the world is not black and white the world is gray and he realizes for the first time that a centauri was upset with what happened he regretted what happened he knew what happened was wrong and he was willing to say i'm sorry and it's at that moment that Jakar gains new hope. He comes to Londo and he gives him a toast. 
and you know Franklin had told him you know that this, the biggest tragedy the whole damn story maybe that he never realized that a centauri may feel something feel sorry for what happened so he toasts toasts to the health of his emperor toasts to the maybe budding friendship between himself and Londo to to the centauri and the Narns renewed relationship with each other at the same time Londo has just ordered an attack and he is now falling further into his pit and so is Jakar it is a scene full of an, an optimist someone who has regained new hope and someone who sees the dark pit they're heading into and it's it's a tragedy. It is it is fundamentally one of the saddest scenes I've ever seen. It's so well done. The other scene I want to mention is the scene between Lord Rifa, Londo, and the Emperor. Notice the Emperor just bats away Rifa. He reasons, realizes that Rifa is too young and naive and stupid and bullheaded and patriotic to understand the consequences of everything that's about to happen. So he comes to Londo. Londo's older, more experienced. He's flawed. Londo is an incredibly flawed man, incredibly flawed character. But he's he's got the wisdom of age. And he tells him the truth. Londo, fearing that he's still too in too deep, uses it as a as a patriotic call to war. You know, take my people back to the stars. But then they exit the med bay and Rifa asked what he really said. And he said, we are both damned. And Londo sits there with this look on his face. Like he knows very well what's happening. He knows the pit he's falling into. And he has to embrace it because at this point, you know, his choices have now met their consequences Every choice has a consequence, no matter if we intend it or not. And Londo has to live with it. He's made his bed, now he has to sleep in it. And Rifa, that bullheaded idiot, that scheming, manipulative young politician, goes, it's a small price to pay for immortality. He doesn't understand the consequences of his own actions. Londo does. And we see the horror that's on display. But the Narn Centauri conflict has begun anew with a new war. And things will only continue to escalate from here. Babylon 5 has just reached a breaking point. And this is when Babylon 5 kicks off into the Babylon 5 that I know and I love. I'll see you next time for Gropos. Until then, see ya. Bye.